we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello and welcome to The Nonsense Bazaar, where your hosts, I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. How's it going, Willow? It's quite all right. It's quite all right? Yeah. Yeah? It's everything all at once. Always. Always. <laughs> <laughs> well, we finally made it. That's the end good. of Om Shinrikyo. The fall of Om Shinrikyo. Oh, baby. It's We're finally here. It's actually not the fall. They're actually still around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they never fell. They stumbled. They definitely stumbled. They got back up. It's the fall of Shoko Asahara, though. That it is. And you know what? I'm going to be sad to see Shoko go. Me too, a little bit. Yeah. He's been fun. I'm actually not. He's o- I fucking he, hate him. He has overstayed his welcome, though. <laughs> he really has. Yeah. He's, oh my God. But you know what? He's he's something special, I think. No, he is. And, and you know, we've learned we've learned a lot. We've learned about all sorts of things in this, I mean, in this run. He himself is a little bit of everything all at once. It's true. You know? <laughs> I've read so much about these bastards, and I shouldn't have, because I don't think we covered half of it, mm-hmm. honestly. And now you just have all of that information floating in your brain. Never going to leave. <laughs> to be fair, though, it's a lot of the same, just more. Just instances. zap it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once we have the God Helmet, we'll get it out of there. Exactly. I can't wait for that either. Yes. I have so many memories I want disappeared. Ah, uh, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's been quite the... Oh, I do have a correction. I think I think I referred to the other cults, uh, or big name cults in Japan at the time, Soka Gakkai and Happy Science, as one and the same somehow. They're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just have a feeling that I did that. I don't know if you did or not. I don't know. I just have a bad suspicion. (laughs) If I did, they're two two very different things. Just making that distinction loud and clear right now. People get mad at you when you get things wrong. It's true. Yeah. Well, but it's been quite the journey, hasn't it? It really has. What have we... We've learned about all sorts of things. Russians, New Narco, Miracle Pond, Vajrayana Tantra, fucking Shiva, The Wizard... So many things. The land down under. How you can get away with a lot if you have a ton of money. Uh, electro helmets and thermotherapy. But don't worry. We, we've got a whole episode in front of us before the shit show is over. And we haven't even reached the big to-do yet. Now, again, I'm going to reiterate that there's a lot more to the story. The ins and outs we can cover. Actually, not just the ins and outs, but like the there's whole huge swaths of the story that we just haven't even touched. It's just the way it is. Anyway, when we last left Anime Jesus and his merry gang... They had decided that Armageddon was theirs to bring about, and they had just completed Satyan Number 7, a.k.a. The Wizard, a chemical weapons laboratory with the express purpose of producing, among other things, sarin gas and VX nerve agent. An Ohm's can-do attitude mixed with their scientific competency, such as it was, extreme amounts of money, and true desire to see the world burn, was now in a position to do some real damage. Mostly because no one fucking stopped them. And as we will see in this episode, they still had so many goddamn opportunities to stop them. It's insane. 
It's fucking insane. So let's do what we do. Pull a tarot card for the conclusion of the saga and then get into it. What's it going to be for the last, for the end of Ohm? Oh, I, I will say, it's just like, I don't want to spoil it, but like, this might be a good spoiler. Maybe it makes you feel better. Every, everyone we've talked about gets hanged at the end of this episode. <laughs> like everyone. <laughs> so there's that. Mm. Yeah. Like... What style hanging are we talking about? All at once and like a line Two in days. front of a crowd? Uh, oh, I think they, it was probably one by one in totally, totally private. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah. That's classy. Japan hasn't sentenced a lot of people to death. Uh, and when they do, they do it very particularly. It's like they don't do it fucking willy nilly, mm-hmm. you know? And they don't like. Oh, yeah. I'm remembering this is like the fucking 90s. I'm thinking like. Oh, no, dude. Yeah. Oh, no. Shoko was not executed in the 90s. When was he executed? 2018. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Like, in my head, I'm imagining, like, this gallows scene. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no we're not in that era. No, I mean, it, we'll, we will get to that at the end, but yeah, uh, they were they were executed in July of 2018, which means they spent a lot of time in fucking prison. Mm. Prince of Wands. Okay. So three wands, which is appropriate for Hermitian Rikyo. It was the Knight of Wands or King of Wands, then the Ten of Wands, and then now the Prince of Wands, the airy, the airy aspect of fire. I see it as a card of a sustained burn. Like it's like the bellows yeah. into a fucking into a furnace. It's it's a guy who doesn't give a fuck. Oh he's going. Yeah, he's going he's he's going forward no matter what lies ahead. Yeah, like he will run you over if you yeah. if you get in his way. He's got this big crazy flaming chariot being driven by a goddamn lion. He's having a great time. <laughs> and which I think is appropriate because I want to hang out with this dude. Yeah, well I was I was about to say that all the the members of Ohm were having a great time. Were they though? I think the inner circle fucking was. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were having a grand old fucking time. They were well, brainwashed into having a great time. I I don't think they were the ones actually doing the shit. I don't think some of them were. Is there any fundamental difference between being brainwashed into having a good time and having a good time? If you're having a good time, you're just having a good time. That's true. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> that is a good point. If you're having fun, you're having fucking. Fun. <laughs> it's true. Who cares why you're having fun? <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, anyway, we will talk more about the Prince of Wands. After the episode. I look forward to it. This is another another bit of Ohm Electronica for you. <laughs>
you know what? I am going to be sad to see Shoko go. This shit is fucking ridiculous, and I forget how ridiculous it is every time. Listening to that song made me feel like getting slapped in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like very suddenly and not knowing if I like it or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I am a little afraid that I feel like Ohm would have gotten me at this point. I really do. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all it would take? Uh, today? You know, some yes. good aesthetics, some good music. Um, yeah. Uh, in the year of our Lord, 2023, that's what it would take. Yeah. That's it. Well, all right. By 1994. All right. So by 1994, Shoko Asahara was living out a fantasy that was like one part guru, one part anime villain, and one part fucking mob boss. By that I mean he was fat as hell, fucking around with his harem all the time, and plotting how to kill people. And dude was straight up a mess at this point. And I only point that out that he was, like, morbidly obese because, like, none of the fucking cultists could eat anything. You know? <laughs> oh, Shoko. Asahara's limo driver told of how the guru would, like, go to restaurants in a limo with his fucking bodyguard entourage... And just order, like, the entire menu and chomp it down and then go to another one? I mean, that's my dream. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, he's a mob boss. He's living a fucking dream. Like, do you think he ever went to Cheesecake Factory and ordered one slice of every type of cheesecake? No, they didn't have Cheesecake Factory in the early 90s in Japan. Why not? It wasn't until, like, the early aughts. Well, that's fucked up. At least I remember when it came to Providence Place. I know. know. Well, he didn't get to have it all. He did not get to have it all. I don't know if maybe he got a couple slices in prison. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But like Ohm would have these dinners where Asahara was supposed to like play the role of the guru and like give out grades or whatever, presiding over everything and all that. But the guru didn't want to eat Ohm food. The guru wanted good food. So Asahara would like show up late and then pretend to get sick and have to leave. Okay. (laughs) Blaming it on the gas that the U.S. Air Force was spraying on him. Right. And then he and his entourage would just go to a restaurant or like a karaoke bar and fucking buy them out of everything. It was like, it was definitely pathological too. Like, holy hell. He so deserves prison. Yes. He deserves everything he got. I'm sorry. I don't agree with the prison system, but if anybody deserves to just be like, you know what? You want a little taste of your own medicine? Because literally, like, how are you going out and enjoying your life while feeding these people slop and like- Because he's a bad man. Yeah. I mean, I'm- I'm living filth. I'm entirely anti-death penalty. I'm still glad they hung his ass. Yeah. You know? These fucking people are not good. It's it's crazy how not good they are. But like there's there's definitely also an element of the fucking mob boss with with Ohm. And I kinda love that. Yeah, likewise. And like also like one of Shoko's favorite things to do was to rent a karaoke a karaoke room with his entourage, family, driver, bodyguards. He did have a the voice of an angel. And he would dude, he would just fucking sing Frank Sinatra's My Way over and over again. Like I wish we could hear it. I wish we could. We can hear old blue eyes, though. Just imagine. And now <laughs> I can. <laughs> In like late 1994, so just Shoko is singing this bullshit over and over. <laughs> That's where we're at. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case. Which I'm certain 
I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my way Regrets Shoko had no regrets. No regrets. There's like, I think it's the Philippines where people would fucking beat you to death if you sing that song at karaoke. It's like a thing you don't do. Ah. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah, it should be Don't Stop Believing. That's the one where people get your fucking ass kicked. Apparently, people have been killed for singing My Way at Karaoke in uh, the Philippines, I believe. You know, it's a different way of life. Yeah. I wonder if that was on... It's not the song I would kill somebody over. No, I don't... You do. It might not even be real. It might be like an urban legend or it might be like like a a myth that's taking on a life of its own or something. Mm. But like, it's a whole fucking thing. <laughs> Actually, it might be something to cover one day. But like, dude, just the image of Shoko Asahara singing that fucking song in late 1994. That's something. That's also something else. That's a fucking scene. Like, <laughs> why has no one made this goddamn movie yet? What the fuck is Martin Scorsese doing? Is it too soon? No. I, mean, I don't. I don't think it's too soon. People are making movies about lifetimes, popping out a movie about every single tragedy that happens two years after it happens. Yeah. No, that, that, but, nothing's too soon for these fucking vultures. So why hasn't it happened? I don't know. Get on that, people. Yeah. Well, all right. That's enough of the karaoke. <sighs> I liked it though. Yeah, me too. It's a fun scene. Yeah. And like while Shoko's saying that, you cut to. As he as he's singing the the my way line, you cut to a a shot of uh, the feet of a statue as the camera pans up and you see Shiva with his fucking trident sitting in the the foyer of Satyan Seven, aka the Wizard. Yeah, I'll direct this fucking movie. I don't give a shit. It'll be great. The Wizard was the biggest baddest secret that Oma had, right? Satyan Seven. Uh, it, it was a fucking chemical weapons factory. That's just what it was. Pretty big secret to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in like selecting the cultists who would work at the wizard, Asahara made them take polygraph tests to determine if they would die for the guru or not, if they could be trusted, etc. He promised them the equivalent of 44 days of religious training in solitary confinement and a brand new grade for their work at Sechian 7. That's a, it's a mighty generous. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> All right, we got to talk about what's being produced there. First, sarin. Sarin gas is a nasty fucking piece of work. It's, or, it's an organophosphorus compound that functions as a potent nerve agent by inhibiting the action of an enzyme called acetylcholinesterase. I don't think that's how you pronounce it. I remember you pronounced it better in our Benadryl episode. Acetylcholine was... Yeah. Yeah. Acetylcholine... Nester. Cholinesterase. I've never heard that one. That one's new for me. This enzyme usually breaks down acetylcholine, a neurotransmitter that helps signals move from nerve cells to muscle cells. When you're dosed with sarin, the the enzyme that breaks down acetylcholine is inhibited, causing acetylcholine to accumulate at nerve junctions. This leads to lighting your nervous system on fire, essentially, just continuous signals, uh, continuous stimulation of the muscles, which turns into uncontrolled twitching, convulsions, paralysis, and death due to asphyxiation. Okay, that sounds awful. It's really bad. Yeah. Basically, your nervous system goes into overdrive and can't switch off, leading to a catastrophic biological meltdown. Okay, sounds like one of the worst ways to die ever. It is. 
it at 100% is then it was invented by the Nazis. It's, you know, it's, you're not allowed to use it in war anymore. Like you're not allowed to use any chemical or biological agents allowed. It's just a weird thing anyway. Yeah. Maybe don't do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's also, it's odorless and colorless makes it even more insidious. Yeah. Yeah. Really evil. Like you wouldn't know that you've been exposed until it's potentially too late. So it's fucking terrifying. Mm. It's really fucking terrifying. It's a whole menu of misery. It, initially, you might experience symptoms like runny nose, tightness in the chest, pupil constriction. Not bad at first. A weird allergy attack. But it ramps up really fast. Within minutes, you could have difficulty breathing due to the paralysis of respiratory muscles, convulsions, loss of consciousness, and then potentially death if it's, the concentration's high enough. But if you survive, if you're injured by it, you're not off the hook either. You can suffer long-term neurological damage, chronic respiratory issues. It can permanently fuck you up. You know, could send you into a coma for the rest of your life. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not fucking mustard gas. You know what I mean? It's not fucking like, or, or tear gas or whatever. It's not fucking pepper spray. So when we talk about ohm fucking dropping sarin on people, that's what they're dropping on people. Yeah, right. it's, it's really fucked up. Yeah, basically. Like it, it'll kill you. Yeah, it'll kill you in like one of the worst ways. It's, yeah, it's just fucking awful. Also produced a Satchet number seven was VX nerve agent. VX is like Saren's more sadistic older older sibling. Oh. It's one of the most potent nerve agents out there, and it operates on the same exact principle, inhibition of the enzyme that breaks down acetylcholine. But it's up to 10 times more toxic than Saren, and its effects can be even more prolonged. With VX, even a tiny droplet on the skin can be lethal. Immediate symptoms include localized sweating and muscular twitching at the exposure site. Then, like with Saren, convulsions, loss of consciousness, and if the antidote isn't administered in time, death, death from asphyxiation. Um, VX is also particularly oily and stable, meaning it can like stick around in the environment longer than sarin. Mm-hmm. You could wipe it on a surface or something if someone touches that surface and get got. Fun stuff. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, neither of these weapons are what one might call subtle in their effects, even if they were in their deployment. VX was for targeted killings and ohm, what? I was just thinking about this one guy with a pinworm fetish that like walks around rubbing his like little pinworm fingers on everything, knowing the that he's infecting the world about? with his buttworms. Jesus, what the I'm fuck? Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, disgusting things on surfaces that you could just like pick up, not, you know, yeah. fucking pinworm fetish Is that guy. A guy? Yeah, he's just a guy that does that. That's a real man? Yeah, that's a real fucking man. There's really <laughs> sick people out there. Are you just assuming that he's one of the nine billion or like, have you, have you, do you know no, this I, man? <laughs> <laughs> Not personally, I know of him. Okay. Is he around here? I really hope not. <laughs> I don't know where he is. Right. <laughs> he could be anywhere. God damn it. Well, yeah. So... That's what makes this so terrifying. You know, this is like the extreme version of Pinworm Man. Yeah, 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 you could say that. You could say that. That's a thing you could say if you wanted to. <laughs> That's, I smirked and you asked me what. This well, is your yeah, fault. Know, you, know. you didn't have to know what was going on in my mind. It's true. It's a good point. <laughs> um, anyway, so VX was for targeted killings, assassinations. Uh, in the Ohm arsenal, and Saren was for mass terror events. By 1994, Ohm had truly transitioned into a paramilitary death cult. 
Ohm's ever-expanding influence had now given them members that tied them to the Yakuza, Japan's organized crime element, as well as the JDF, Japan's Homeland Defense Force, which is their military, essentially. But it's not technically a military because the U.S. wouldn't let them have one after World War II. Can we just do that? What? Say no. You're not going to... That's what we did. Okay. That was... You can... You can say a lot of things after you drop a couple nukes on people. Oh, that's true. You know, it that was, but like they do, it is a military. They have like, it's, it's weird. It's not very large, but it's also like well-trained and well-funded. Gotcha. It's ours. We funded it. Um, but like, I don't know, reading about Japan's activities like during and prior to the second world war, kind of impossible not to see them as the bad guys in that case. You know, yeah. and like I'm never going to adopt any sort of moral, moral relativism about Imperial Japan and Nazi Germany as like geopolitical entities. Fuck that. They're the bad guys. <laughs> Without saying anything of the average citizen or character of the people as countries, they were the fucking bad guys. And I think that's fine to say. I think anybody would agree with you. <laughs> Don't speak. Maybe not anybody. People like disagreeing. But that said, you can definitely understand the deep current of resentment towards the U.S. that runs underneath the like... Uh, the far right uh, element of Japanese society. For sure. They're nationalists and shit. Like, even though we gave them a bunch of money and a whole fucking economy in exchange for their cooperation, you know, despite the insane amount of rebuilding and preferential treatment that the U.S. did in Japan after the war, you totally understand why there's a large part of that society that wants to kick our fucking asses. Yeah. A lot of countries have great reasons to hate America. (laughs) You know what? Sometimes, sometimes they maybe... Maybe you sold off on having a military for a little while, Japan. You got real big for a while. <laughs> well, too big for your britches. <laughs> real fucking big for your britches for a little bit. I'm not a historian. I'm a fucking asshole. Don't worry about it. Take it for what it is. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, Ohm had members. They were also fairly high-ranking me- uh, members of the JDF, including like at least three paratroopers, which is like the most el- elite of Japanese soldiers. They also had members of some of Japan's like leading industrial corporations like Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. And we'll revisit that a while later. By now, Ohm was like training recruits in martial arts and like organizing uh commando units out of cultists and like straight up going for the uh for the whole militarization thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good direction to head in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh one retreat in May 1994, they well, they had a uh, a mountain retreat to train their commandos. And they also just, like, hired a bunch of civilians from, like, the skid rows of uh, Tokyo and Osaka, meaning, like, you know, people just fucking down on their luck. They hired them, told them they were being trained to be extras in a film called Soldiers of White Love. All right. Where actually they were just getting trained by home and they were probably going to get fucking electroshocked into submission and just turned into soldiers. You know, sometimes life takes crazy, yeah, <laughs> crazy left turn into it. Direction you didn't think you were heading. Right, weird shit happens sometimes, man. They were eventually like run at, run out of town by locals who didn't like that all these shaved head weirdos looking like they were preparing for war, you know, in their backyard. All right, so the Tokyo sarin gas attack was not the first Ohm sarin gas attack. Uh, in 1991, Ohm Shinrikyo purchased a piece of land in the town of Matsumoto. And they built one of their shell companies there, a food pro- processing plant, ostensibly. That's what it said on the, the deed or whatever. By 1992, locals had figured out that this was a front company for goddamn Ohm Shinrikyo. And the original seller of the land filed a lawsuit, like, alleging fraud. I guess, like... Were they processing any food there? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But, like... Whatever it was, shady. 
Yeah, like it was just it was it was just some home shit. Like they had a lot of shell companies. They had a lot of weird. They had a lot of property, like a lot, a lot. I mean, estimates uh, have them being worth like a billion dollars by by the end. You know, at this point, also like in 1994, they have between twenty thousand and forty thousand members worldwide. It's a good chunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, the original seller of this land in Matsumoto, I guess, like, yeah, of course you can say like, hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have sold this to you if I knew who you actually were. Like, yeah, that's reasonable. It's still a deal. You misrepresented yourself in the deal. Well, he fucking sued the shit out of him. And the case dragged through the court and Ohm launched a harassment campaign against the town of Matsumoto, like calling citizens on the phone and saying ominous things like, we're not going to let you get away with this and other such creepy bullshit. Oh. Yeah. The land trial ended finally in May of 1994, and the three judges presiding over the case were set to hand down their verdict two months later. Ohm's lawyer was quite convinced that the cult would lose. And this made Shoko mad. So Shoko called a meeting with his brain trust, including Minister of Science Hideo Murai and Security Chief Tomomitsu Nimi. They told him there's really only one solution to this problem. They got a POA three judges. Okay. <laughs> We're going to lose a fucking land lawsuit. We got to POA these judges before they can rule against us. I mean, that's that mob boss shit. <laughs> it's the only way, really. Sometimes it is the only way. You got a problem? Eliminate it. Well, listen to how they how they went about this. They decided to kill him with sarin gas. Oh, and I'm sure it was executed flawlessly. <laughs> flawlessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the wizard stepped up production of sarin, and Mirai started designing a customized refrigerator truck with an atomizer and sprayer made from an electric heater and 30 fucking batteries. The sarin would drip onto the heater, as it's like it's a liquid, and then vaporize, then a fan would blow the sarin through a small hole in the side of the van. And, like, the batteries alone weighed a 1,000 pounds. Uh. <laughs> by mid-June 1994, by mid-June 1994, Ohm's chief scientist had stockpiled 44 pounds of sarin and then called a non-Ohm friend and said, Stay out of public spaces. Ohm's supreme truth is out of control. Kind of blowing up everybody's spot there a little bit. A little bit, yeah. You know, that's nice. That's a good friend. I like that he, I mean... That is interesting, though. Like, he was just in a position where he had to make a bunch of sarin. He couldn't leave and shit. Right. Yeah. I wonder how many other of those cases there are. I bet, like, a lot of them probably didn't want to give any interviews ever afterwards. Oh, yeah. yeah. June 27th, 1994, Hideo Murai and a bunch of other cultists piled into the fridge van and uh, another lookout car. Murai and five cultists in the fridge and the rest in the lookout. They went to go sarin gas some fucking judges. Hey, how do you, how do you think they did? I think uh, miserably. Yeah, they fucked it up entirely. Of course, <laughs> that's how every single thing. Like <laughs> yes, literally everyone. You know? Oh, so you're good at what? Like starving people and doing sleep deprivation and causing them to like mentally break. Yeah. Great, that's easy enough. Everybody can do that. Any, yeah. any schmuck can do that. Yeah. But. Every single time they try to do actually anything towards their goal, it's just a complete and utter failure. It's, and like, that's their whole thing, too, is like, we're the science cult. We're the science, the religion of science. And yet. This is so fucking. You know. It really is funny. So how'd it go? Yeah. What what happened? Went really bad. <laughs> so, yeah. The fridge was weighed down with so much bullshit that their top speed was only 30 miles per hour. <laughs> I was wondering how the vehicle was even moving, honestly. So at the time they had got to Matsumoto, the judges had already left the courthouse. Faced with the uh, decision, 
Hideo Murai decided to be a fucking bastard. Instead, they'd target the dormitories where the judges lived. Apparently, judges lived together in dormitories. That's weird, but okay. All right. Only problem was that it was in a dense residential neighborhood, and the gas would have to pass from the supermarket parking lot where the truck was through a bunch of houses to get to the judges' dorms. Eh, it's a couple fucking... Uh, Whatever. Sarin casualties in a holy war, right? Yeah. Fuck it. Which it is kind of ridiculous, like a targeted killing by gassing someone from a supermarket pl- parking lot, like blocks away. It's really not the most effective it's method. But if you had spent all of that time and money making yeah. these nerve agents, yeah, it's like, yeah, fuck yeah. it, we're going to use them, right? We're gonna, we we got to justify this somehow. <laughs> Why don't you just fucking send a couple of them goddamn paratroopers in with some VX? Well, they wanted to test it. They wanted to see if it'll work, you know? Yeah. Well, at 10.40 p.m., they gave the word go, and immediately everything went wrong. The delivery system fucked up, and there was, there was too much alcohol on the sarin. The atomizer started filling the van with hydrogen chloride in a white haze, poisonous gas. They couldn't even see through the fucking windows. Right? <laughs> Six. I love the car always fills with gas. Yeah. Like, guys. Again, meanwhile, a high school student is walking by. Because it's only 10.40 p.m. <laughs> he sees his fucking van on. Van with its lights on. Engine running in a supermarket parking lot. And he hears like muffled panicked voices inside as a white mist leaks leaks out and starts swirling around the van. Yeah, I'm just walking away. I didn't see nothing, man. Yeah, eventually the cultists drive off like administering themselves antidote and leaving a fucked up trail of, of gas in their wake like a cartoon. And then the wind shifted. And yeah, eight fucking people died. Oh my just god. Regular ass people. Just some fucking people eating dinner. Great. Yeah. And there were hundreds of injuries. God the, damn. Yeah. Did the police suspect Ohm? No. No, nah, I had nothing to do with the white van in the parking lot. No, no, no. They put the blame on this fucking machinist uh named y- Yoshiyuki Kono. Why? Because he was the guy that reported it. Oh, that poor bastard. Uh-huh. My God. Oh, yeah. Dude, he was um, he was having dinner with his wife and his daughter. And all of a sudden, they all started to get sick. His wife collapsed. He collapsed before he was able to call the fucking ambulance and shit. And they were just... Police raided his house. Found a bunch of chemicals and concluded that he had inadvertently produced sarin gas while trying to make homemade herbicide for his fucking garden. Wow. Three months later, Kono's wife is still in a fucking coma. Right? And the police really are not making a great name for themselves on no. this No, they're series. really not. Really dropping the ball. So three months later, Kono's wife is still in a fucking coma from the sarin. Police helicopters had flown over Kono's house, and he, he had a garden, and they looked down, and they saw where Kono had weeded his garden. They decided the bare spots were chemical burns, and then the newspaper started reporting on it, labeling this motherfucker, uh, Kono, as Dr. Gas. Oh, that's such a bad thing to have happen to you. Dude, and then <laughs> a graffiti artist like labeled maps of Matsumoto with the location of the house of Dr. Gas. Man. Yeah. This dude was eating dinner, smelled some fucked up shit. All of a sudden, he, his wife, and their daughters are sick as fuck. He calls the ambulance, and he and his whole family are in the fucking hospital. His wife is a vegetable, and he's now Dr. Gas. He argued that if he had known how to make Saren, wouldn't he have known that he was putting his whole family at risk? Yeah. I guess they didn't believe him. One group of people, though, one group of people believed him. Ah, uh, the the truthers. <laughs> well, one day, Kono received a package in the mail. 
consisting of a bunch of books by His Holiness Shoko Asahara and an invitation to move his wife to the Ohm Supreme Truth Hospital. Oh my fucking god. They also included an offer for free astral music. Well, that's... Can't make this shit up, dude. Like... Can we hear it? I mean... Is it just more of... It's just, yeah, it's just Shoko stuff. Okay. It's just this shit they were playing in the hospital. I don't think we have it. Oh, all right. But yet, I don't... Like, that's one of the creepiest things, is them sending this dude books. Like, that is really... That's really fucked up. Later, police and newspapers would receive an anonymous letter laying out exactly what happened, and that Ohm was going to do it bigger and badder soon enough. We don't know who wrote this letter. It was cryptically signed uh, 2H from HTK, but I'm, I don't know who, who wrote it. Uh, but neither the police or the newspapers did fucking anything with it. Again, it's like pretty fucking clear that it was Ohm. Yeah. Pretty fucking obvious. Especially since right afterwards, the wizard damn near shit the bed. A faulty weld had leaked open and chlorine gas came spilling out and filling the fucking lab. Followers ran to the exits, coughing and sputtering, and the poisonous gas drifted out of Sachan 7 into the town of uh, Kamikushiki. I don't know, that's a hard one to pronounce. Next door, where residents became sick and complained of a Swedish gross smell. Sweet-ish, not Swedish. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking smells like Ikea in this town. (laughs) Fucking, there's goddamn meatballs that everyone weirdly goes crazy for. Yeah. Yeah. This town was already, this is like the town right next, you know, right next door to their headquarters and shit. They were already fucking done with home. There's 24-hour construction, fucked up smells, mantras at all hours of the night. They'd leave chemical drums just out in the fucking fields. Like, this town had signs on the road saying that, like, Ohm wasn't welcome there anymore. Um, another sign from a lawyer's group offering a quarter mil for info on the disappearance of the Sakamoto family from 1990. Yeah, the, uh, the lawyers. And one resident who lived right next door who said, Once, hundreds of them marched through the village wearing white hoods. They looked like the Ku Klux Klan. Scared the hell out of the children. (laughs) Yeah, that is scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then a week after that accident, another accident happened at the Wizard. Again, the reports of gas and awful smells and sickness came from the town. By now, the plants around Sachin 7 had begun to wither and die. (laughs) People's gardens are dying. Like their neighbors. Man, it's like they have a bubble of sadness death. and death around them. Yeah, decay. Dude. Yes. Just spreading out like uh-huh. that. Ooh. They kind of really did make anime real. You know what I mean? Like that's just not the way they thought, I guess. But yeah, like, I'm just imagining like this bird's eye view of a yes. town and like this spot of gray. Yeah, dude. like becoming bigger and bigger. I mean, it's literally mythic. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like fucking something out of a comic book. And still, the police did absolutely fucking nothing. Eventually, they did inspect Satchin 7 later on. They gave enough notice that Ohm had time to hide everything Mm. and make it look like it was just a religious shrine to Shiva and the Buddha. Right. All right. I'm just going to plow through the story because I don't think I need to convince anyone at this point that these fucks straight up tortured people. Yuko Tanaka joined Ohm with her husband, who was all in and their son in 1994. Very soon she realized she was in hell on earth, and also her son and husband were missing. Ohm has a way of doing shit like that. Also, people were like dying and shit. She tried to leave, they brought her back. She tried to leave again, they brought her back again. Then Asahara gave her a vial of yellow liquid, sodium theopental probably, although perhaps it could have been methamphetamine they were producing that at the time too. Ah, yeah, diversifying. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you got your chemical labs, why not? I mean, yo, 
if you're going to go full maniac, you should probably be using the meth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, whatever it was, she was put into a room with nothing but TV screens showing horrific images of death and destruction. Oh. With cult programming phrases set at large volume all around her. Uh, then for another initiation, she was putting, put into a fucking shipping container with like 12 other people tied up, drugged, physically abused, and then kept there for five goddamn months. That's too long. Uh-huh. She finally escaped and went to the police who, again, didn't do fucking shit because they, quote, didn't have enough evidence. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. It's starting to bother me. Is she not evidence? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if there's literal people saying this is... My experience, yeah. I was it's, it's also, you know, it's, it's it's more than a little suspicious, also, especially considering how there was, like, a Japanese judge who was rumored to have given Ohm, like, $100,000, uh, and they had members of the JDF and shit. I don't know. It's a little suspicious. It's a little suspicious. Also, one escapee reported being drugged and waking up with Dr. Hayashi standing over them, having fucking implanted electrodes into their skull. Straight up. Wow. Not even the headgear anymore. Just really going for it. Oh, yeah. Just fucking straight up ass. It's a fucking straight up ass fucking thing they did. <laughs> Electrodes and the- you know when in Rome. Yeah, they had now. Well, you're fucking around in there. They had now doubled down on the whole erasing memories with electricity thing, and it was apparently quite successful. Some people rescued from the cult later on couldn't remember where they were from, uh, couldn't remember what fucking cult they had joined, uh, couldn't remember the goddamn names. That's very valuable. Yeah. But then what? Like, I'm sorry. Now you just have a bunch of useless members. Yeah, but they'll, they'll scrub they'll, the forest to do... Okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess they're not totally useless. They're cannon They're fodder. drones. Yeah, they're drones, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, there was a 23-year-old woman, four months pregnant, who wasn't even a fucking member, but had went to go visit two college friends who joined Dome. Like, oh, I was seeing my friends. They became like monks or something. They didn't let her leave and instead imprisoned her in a, another shipping container for months. They kidnapped a soldier and used the brain shock method to interrogate him and turned him into a vegetable. Uh, there were like 50 people when they finally... Big on kidnapping people. Yeah. Yeah. When they finally raided the place, they found like... The, the police, when they finally did do something. They found like fucking 50 people who had been physically, actually no bullshit brainwashed with fucking electricity. Electricity and uh, kept in solitary confinement. Like... Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real ass fucking thing that happened. In the 1990s, while people were telling the police, hey, fucking do something. It's, it's, it's insane. I like, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, they continued making weapons. Seichi Endo was experimenting with uh, new, as of yet, untried diseases like Q fever. Oh, and, uh, that's really popular these days. It is, yeah. Oh, they, you know, they started, they were the ones behind pushing a Q in Japan, apparently. In the <laughs> bit I, I read. Yep. That tracks. Yeah. Also, Hayakawa was building conventional weaponry plants. They were actually, in fact, making explosives. They had already synthesized TNT and other really very powerful explosives, classic explosives. I mean, what sort of apocalyptic cult are you if you're not messing around with explosives? Seriously. They were still trying to produce 10,000 AK-74s and generally gearing up for the big show, what they called X-Day, which was scheduled for November 1995. Their plan for that November was... To, I shit you not, fly their hopefully more than one helicopters over the Japanese capital and douse everyone with sarin gas, thus causing chaos, panic, and allowing Ohm to assert themselves as leaders in wrestle control. Okay, I don't know if it would do that second part, but it would definitely accomplish the first part. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. But it's fucking insane, but it's like barely worth getting into as a plan because of how fucking insane it was. 
All right, little detour for a palate cleanser. One time, Ohm kidnapped a Russian orchestra. <laughs> I want to know more about their kidnapping methods. Like they're good at this shit. I know, well, this is a bit different. This it's this is a bit different. It's in November '92. Shoko hired Shoko hired himself an orchestra, mm. 120 of the finest musicians in the former Soviet Union, which, as you may know, has an extremely rich and badass history with what we would broadly refer to as classical music. A lot of fucking great musicians in the former Soviet Union. How'd he get the best? Well, he paid him $1,000 a month, which in 19, 1992 was pretty fucking tight, especially right after the collapse of the USSR. Uh, the orchestra was called Chiron, Sanskrit for divine offering. And they would be playing music composed by who the orchestra was told was a great Japanese composer. Was it Shoka? It was Shoka. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shoka. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just classic. Yeah. Shoko said he received divine inspiration in his compositions. But um, conductor Vladimir Kudria said, Would you please, Willow? Asahara would hum melodies to four or five assistants and explain what kind of music he wanted. The assistants would go off and arrange it with computers and synthesizers. Asahara said he never thought of it as music. He heard it from another dimension. So he's literally just going like, Go go make it. Yeah. <laughs> he's tapped at this point. Like he's a creative genius. <laughs> Voice of a generation. Yeah, he's channeling divine melodies from other dimensions. Well, he he composed many of these pieces this way, including three full symphonies called Christ, Genesis, and Message of the Saints Skies. That's only two. No, no, no. It was one's Christ. Oh. Two Genesis. And I, three is I thought Christ Genesis Christ. was one. No, no, no. My mistake. Flutist Sergei Evdokimov described the music this way. They were slightly melodic, but very primitive. Some bits were stolen from Beethoven, some from Tchaikovsky. It's very unhealthy for a professional musician to play this devil's music. After a while, your skills begin to degenerate. <laughs> I, mean, I hate that attitude, too. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Still, it was a good gig. However, rehearsals started lasting seven hours. Oh. With only three of those hours being playing music. The other four were like, ohm shit. This poor Russian orchestra. <laughs> they had to, like, pray, and as they did, they had to... This is just what it said. They had to bang their head on the floor a thousand times. <laughs> Like, one dude was, like, complaining that, like, he had a heart condition and fucked up blood pressure, but he still had to hit his head on the floor a thousand times. That ain't cool. They had to do, like, Shiva chants and stuff. Wacky-ass home shit. Not cool, man. But- you know, I, I'm sorry. I like that their method of kidnapping is actually, they don't go out and, like, bring people back. As long as somebody comes to them or they can entice somebody to yeah. their space, they yeah, just yeah. don't let them leave. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know? Once you're there, you're fucked. Basically, yeah. That's how it worked. But after one tour in 1993, Shoko like threw them this huge Russian banquet with like all this traditional Russian food and shit. And he like one by one, like brought them up and like congratulated them and shook their hands and gave them a brand new Panasonic camcorder after one tour. They said it was a great time. Oh, they said it was one of the best times they've ever had this, this banquet. But the next year after another tour, they were preparing to go back to Russia. Uh, and they were in Tokyo before they, they were in Tokyo about to leave, but before they boarded their plane, Ohm gave them a sandwich and told them they were going to get a special tour of Mount Fuji before they take off. 
Now, don't trust that sandwich. The last time they had been to Mount Fuji, they got a full Russian banquet and a fucking Panasonic camcorder. So they were like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. Also, the orchestra learned they were going to be given a great gift by the guru, a special initiation that normally costs $10,000. But today, free. For you, it's free. I don't like it. <laughs> All of the initiations we've heard about have, have been really bad. Yeah. They don't sound fun. They thought they might get a new camcorder. They didn't know. Yeah. They didn't know who they were working for. Well, they said, fuck it. Why not? This time, though, there was no banquet. There was a gross fucking room with wet floors and wooden cubicles and prayer mats. Oh. They were told to take off their shoes. Uh, the flutist, uh, Sergei Evdokimov, said, There were beds on the floor. They all had wires coming out from beneath them. Each bed also had a pair of earphones and a blindfold. I was very tired, so I lay down on the bed. Immediately, I began to feel this vibration going through my whole body. Yeah. Remember we talked about, like, the prayer mats with the electricity? Yep. Yeah. It was an Asahara mantra coming through the fucking bed, the speakers, the earphones, controlled by a box with dials on it. Like, Sergey and the other band members kept trying to turn it off, but every time they did, all members kept coming back in silently and turning it back up. <laughs> the doctors and nurses came in and took everyone's temperature and blood pressure. And then people started to realize that they were going to be experimented on. Then in the middle of the night, a real funny smell came wafting, wafting in. Mm. Asked what it was, an ohm cultist told the orchestra that the state had just attacked them with poison gas. Dun dun. Yeah. Uh -oh. The Russians were like, fuck you. Yeah. So they, they, like, they had enough and went outside in the fucking winter night and refused to go back inside. Then the guru himself showed up. He told them how it was a $10,000 initiation, and he was giving it to them for free. Come on, just let me gas you. How could they be so ungrateful? Meanwhile, like, some of the orchestra were, like, <laughs> starting to walk all funny and, like, speaking gibberish and shit, saying they didn't want to leave and that they liked it here, that they loved the guru. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Asahara initially didn't- Must have been some good shit in that gas. Yeah, or sandwich or whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> Combination. Yeah, Asahara initially didn't want to let them go and told them that if they didn't go back inside, they'd all be fired. He wasn't going to give them buses either, and when told that they'd die from the cold, he said, well, die then, I'll pray for you. Eventually, he did let them go, with buses. Probably because two of the band members had actually ran away, gone to a payphone, and called the Russian embassy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they got on the bus, and some of the band members had to be forced on the bus because they were straight up tripping balls and wanted to stay with the guru. But eventually, they all got back to Tokyo to an ohm-run Chinese food restaurant, and from there, they were eventually allowed to go back to Russia. The orchestra was then disbanded. He tried to kill his orchestra with sarin, dog. Like, <laughs> that's not very nice. I think he was just testing the sarin. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? They played some nice music for me. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've served your purpose. Now off to the great beyond. It's so impartial and sick. I do love that just like when faced with some reasonable people, they're just like, no, we're, we're going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. So the own Ministry of Intelligence was headed by Yoshihiro Inoue. And yeah, they got up to stuff. One thing they got up to was repeatedly breaking into the Mitsubishi Heavy Industries uh, plant disguised as workers to steal laser technology secrets to make a nuclear weapon. Okay, that sounds fun. Yeah. An MHI senior researcher joined Ohm and helped Inoue, and a few Ohm members who were also like Japan's elite paratroopers 
waltz right into the building and just start getting shit in 1994. They just kept going back like night after night and just fucking just stealing laser secrets. <sighs> it should not have been that easy. No, we should not have. Um, but then they just kept breaking into places. I it, mean, yeah, you get a little taste for, for blood. Well, the, we can just break into places? Mitsubishi didn't even break in. They had like IDs and shit. They just like scanned them, yeah. flashed them and fucking waltz right in. But they uh, they broke into a police driving test center to steal information so they could forge licenses. They picked the lock and burgled the laser research lab of uh, NEC, Japan's top computer manufacturer, stealing data on laser amplification. They broke into the home of an employee of Nippon Oil and Fats Company, which manufactured rocket fuel for Japan, for the Japanese space program. They just bugged the home of a commander of the Airborne Brigade. Okay. They were just doing spook shit. Okay. And they assassinated people with VX nerve agent. Tomitsu Nimi, the chief thug, uh, his first target with VX was a man named Noburu Mizuno, an 83-year-old parking lot supervisor and absolute fucking hero. He previously sheltered five women in his home who escaped from home, and he, like, chased cultists off with a wooden staff when they tried to come get the women. Hell yeah. Yeah. For that, he had to die. Huh. Ohm spread VX on his garbage cans, and after he took the trash out one day, he started vomiting and called the ambulance. This motherfucker survived, though. This old fucking hero. He actually survived after six weeks in the hospital. 83 years old. Wow. I couldn't take him down. Tight as fuck. I like to hear it. You can't even kill an 83-year-old man with VX. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> couldn't even kill an old man. <laughs> what the hell? It's one of the most lethal substances on the planet. It seems like they're... They're pretty good at, um, I mean, they've done some intentional They're killings. good at thug shit. Yeah, they're also really good at, like, unintentional killings. Yeah. They're bad at hitting their target. They're not scientists. Yeah. Really. And the ones that are, are out of their minds and shit. The VX and Saren is not pure at all. Like, it's really, they shouldn't have been able to smell that shit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's supposed to be odorless and colorless. But 10 days later, uh, Takahito... Hamaguchi, 28, of Osaka, was rushed to the hospital after his heart and lungs just gave out all of a sudden. He was declared brain dead two days later, went to a coma, and died after a week. What had happened was, Nimi had snuck up behind him while he was jogging and put a syringe of sarin into his neck while Inoue kept watch. Uh, dude tried to, like, chase him, but it was just too fucking late. They also tried to assassinate the leader of Happy Science with VX, but they couldn't get him. Of course they couldn't. Yeah. They targeted journalists with phosgene gas and attempted VX. There's a whole bunch of shit there, like the targeting of journalists and stuff. Um, by the end of 1994, they were all in. Yeah. If 93 was the year where shit started going off the rails, 94 is the year where they stopped giving a fuck. I mean, you got people just, you got members doing break-ins, yeah. murders. Yeah, just no fucks given. Yeah, you have for. to be pretty highly indoctrinated to just be like, oh, yeah, I'll go break into that person's house. I don't care what happens to me or if I get caught or whatever. I, well, I got a mission to do. I'm having fun. Again, it's mostly the same people. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the drones. It's not the rank and file. Right. It's fucking okay. Inoue, Nimi, fucking Mariah. It's the inner circle doing yeah. the dirty business. It's the ministers. It's the gang. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every time. Seiji Endo. They're uh, bold. Dr. Dr. Hayashi. Yeah. 
also trying to wear too many hats all of them <laughs> no really because i don't know I'm, i might i guess there's a risk to sending the drones in too because if they get caught you know it's right. bad for the cult yeah i mean honestly that's probably how a lot of it did happen without drawing too much attention because it was probably the same people and they weren't saying shit mm-hmm. you know but yeah they also tried to assassinate the leader of happy science with vx but they couldn't get him you know, because of course they couldn't. No, this is because Happy Science actually knows what the fuck they're doing. They targeted journalists with phosgene gas and attempted VX assassinations on them. Like by the end of 1994, they were all in. They just did not give a fuck anymore. If 1993 was like the year that um went off the rails, 94 was when it was just like, well, the end of the world's happening, so it literally does not matter anymore. You know. They're taking out enemies of Ohm with VX needles, as well as like kidnapping former members by like convincing them to go to an Ohm center for a formal goodbye, like a fucking manipulative ex. You know? <laughs> yes. Then drugging, black bagging them, and imprisoning them in the Ohm compound where they were drugged and beaten even further. Yeah. Not sexy. That's not sexy. No. 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 On New Year's Day 1995, uh, there was a, re- a report appeared in the newspaper that traces of sarin were found in the soil around the Ohm compound, though they didn't mention Ohm by name. Yeah, this, this is when Sachin 7, they went, they went, oh shit, they've got our number now, and they very quickly disguised Sachin number 7 as just a chapel. They're like, <laughs> oh shit, mom's coming home, hide the fucking, hide the chemicals. You know, they just packed everything up and stuffed it away and like put literally like put blankets over it and shit. Then they held a fucking press conference inside the wizard. I mean, that's a power move. I like it. It, it honestly, it honestly is. Ohm's lawyer, Yoshinobu Aoyama, told the press that they, Ohm, weren't, they weren't responsible for the creation of the sarin. They were actually, can you believe it, the victims of a gas attack by state authorities and the United States, is what they told journalists inside so, their sarin factory. So easy to point a finger at, at the United States. Isn't it? It is. I too mean, easy. I mean, if I could, it is, though. Yeah. <laughs> but they, um, doc, Dr. fucking uh, Hayashi was there to give his goddamn expert opinion, explaining that followers started to show symptoms two years ago. He said... At a sect concert last year, a gas was sprayed into the hall and a four-year-old child suddenly died. This was despite the superpower and super health, which have been trademarks of the Ohm sect. Like, <laughs> we have four-year-olds with superpowers. Yeah. And yet it's still... Would we have killed our own superpower toddler? We wouldn't have. Honestly. Yeah. That's how bad the U.S. is. Yeah. It's like, not only are they providing a truly unbelievable alibi... They're also, like, shooting themselves in the foot. Like, those are some great superpowers you got there. Can't even protect a four-year-old. Ah. Asked if the villagers next door were affected, Dr. Hayashi replied that the attackers take the wind direction into account, so no, the villagers aren't affected. Just just us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They sent the press home with a video, like a cassette tape titled... <laughs> Titled Slaughtered Lambs. Oh, good. What a fun little, like, grab bag to take I home with know. you. A little goodie bag. <laughs> and it, it, in this video, it claimed that some 240 aircraft belonging to the U.S. and Japan, uh, disguised as, like, regular-ass 
aircraft and like crop planes and helicopters and stuff had been flying over the compound and gassing Ohm for years. And uh, an Asahara voiceover said, Ohm survives these attacks because it is a mystical religion that goes beyond the boundaries of life and death. Ohm is a mighty obstacle to the evil that rules this world. Yeah, but like at the same time, an Ohm publication from like a couple months ago, like one of their magazines or whatever, had the lyrics to a, a song they wrote, to a, to a fucking anime song called Song of Saren the Magician. And uh, here's, here's a snippet, Willow, if you please. It came from Nazi Germany, a little dangerous chemical weapon, Saren Saren. If you inhale the mysterious vapor, you will fall with bloody vomit from your mouth. Saren, 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 the chemical weapon. Song of Saren the Brave. In the peaceful night of Matsumoto City, people can be killed, even with our own hands. The place is full of dead bodies all over. There, inhale. Saren, Saren, prepare Saren, prepare Saren. Immediately poisonous gas weapons will fill the place. Spray, spray. Saren the Brave, Saren. Great. Like, they truly did not give a fuck. And, like, they're held in this press conference and, like, fucking next door are, like, shipping containers with, like, mind-melted people just in them. It's truly, like, it's real dark. It's really fucked up. (laughs) God. Yeah. Oh, also, at this time, um, at Setian 16, the Ohm time tunnel team... Uh, had succeeded in building a fucking railgun. Do you know what a railgun is, Willow? What's a railgun? A railgun is uses uh, electromagnetic propulsion to launch a projectile that would otherwise be too fucking massive to launch with, uh, you know, explosives. Okay, so they made one. It sucked, but yeah, they, they, made, they made one. You know, good for them. They tried, and that's better than most of us. It's true. I mean... <laughs> true <laughs> gotta like, give props where you can no isn't that uh what does that say about my my own uh perception of my work ethic that i'm, I'm looking at home and i'm like well you know what? at least they tried hey what we do works yeah <laughs> we make a fucking, we make a product that does what we say it does delivers I mean, words to your brain yeah that's all we ever promised make you chuckle sometimes but like, yeah, it fired a 20 millimeter shell at Mach 0.8, which was not even close to enough to destroy tank, the tank like they wanted it to do. Yeah. But, you know, well, they also needed a two ton truck to move it, but it mm. worked. It was the first, it was V1, you know, I'm going to give it. There's room for improvement. Now, at this point, the um, X day was still scheduled for November, but then there was a sign from God. So... Asahara had commissioned one of his guys to build a software, build a piece of software that could use astrology to specifically predict events. The software engineer who was tasked with this was like, that's impossible. He's going to kill me. Yeah, that's a pretty tall order. Yeah, he like didn't even know anything about astrology. <laughs> like, Just make shit up. Well, that's what he did. So he built this piece of software that would like, spit something out but like asahara brought him on the radio program and like asked him for a a prediction from this new super piece of software 
that could predict things using astrology. And, uh, you know, this dude, knowing that Asahara wanted an apocalyptic prediction, also knowing that they were in Japan and earthquakes were really common, he was like, most probably going to be an earthquake soon. And then he just picked a town at random near where he thought there might be an earthquake, mm-hmm. the town of Kobe. And he said, you know, there's going to be a, the software says there's going to be a massive earthquake near Kobe, Japan. Then a little while later, there fucking was. Which, like, really isn't that uncommon. It was uncommonly large, though. Yeah. Yeah. And, but Shoko took this and ran with it, using it to once again be like, see, I'm the guru. Armageddon's happening, just like I said it was with my special own magic science. Right? Shoko fucking went to tour the damage in Kobe after, after, as he was, you know, after all, a holy man. And he could absorb the people's pain and karma like it's the fucking Green Mile. But upon arriving, he said that the pain was too much to take, so he just went to a restaurant and ate them out of house and home instead. That's actually what he did. <laughs> he couldn't help himself, could he? He could, he could not. He fucking couldn't. He could not. But then in February 1995, the cult pushed their luck too far. Uh, they were looking for an escapee, which is a thing they had to do often. It was a woman, I'm not sure her name, but they started like harassing her 68-year-old brother, who is a notary public, uh, you know, calling him all the time, asking for his whereabouts, asking for her whereabouts, threatening him if they didn't find her, all this shit. And eventually in February, it got it reached a boiling point. And before the man went out for the day, he left a note for his son saying, if I disappear, it was Om Supreme Truth. Well, that day, as he was walking down the street, a white van pulled up next to him. Four beefy cultists jumped out, black bagged him, put him in the van, and hit him with the VX. He died. I don't know why this was the straw that broke the camel's back after everything else we've talked about, but it was. I can't explain it. Well, maybe it's like, maybe that press conference was super fucking sketchy. Maybe they found traces of sarin in the soil. Yeah. Maybe they just published a fucking song about sarin the brave. (laughs) And then... They killed someone who that day left a note saying, if I die, it's Om Supreme Truth. Like, okay. It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. I mean, it's not a straw. It's a fucking human being who is literally just trying to live his life. A notary fucking public. But this is what made the police say, okay, yeah, we, we actually have to do something about this, huh? But now instead of, you know, actually catching them by surprise, they announced it and gave Om time to think and do some wacky shit. The wacky shit they did was say, ah, you know what? November? It's too far away. Let's have a March Armageddon instead. So now, instead of death from above, they decided to go below, using the Tokyo subway system. Ohm strike teams would get on different subway lines, which all, con- which would all-, which all converge in the center of Tokyo, right under the police headquarters. They would time it so that all three lines arrived at the center at the same time. On each subway car, an Ohm hitman or two would release a package of sarin and get off at the next stop. When all three subway cars converged, they would be full of sarin, and it would all pour out, like, these subway cars would be massive sarin bombs. Yeah. All converging, and then filling the underground of the center of Tokyo with sarin gas. On a Monday morning during rush hour, right in the heart of Tokyo. (laughs) It's one of the most densely populated cities on the fucking planet. It's an ambitious plan. plan. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's, it's clever. If it worked... Yeah, I would have done something. Yeah, 
and well, it, it's not that it didn't work. Like it, it didn't work. It didn't work the way they wanted it to. Yeah. It it did do something. It caused chaos. It sure not did. Nearly to the level that they wanted it to. Right. Had Om been good at anything, easily a hundred thousand deaths, easily. And that's what's wicked scary about this. It was like their game to lose. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. That wasn't their first plan. The first plan was for Hideo Mirai to build a giant fucking laser (laughs) that could be mounted on a truck and burn the Tokyo Police Department to anime hell. They built it, but um, yeah, it didn't work. (laughs) Didn't didn't fucking work. So plan B, which was not the Saren. Plan B was botulism in suitcases, which they packaged in suitcases, not learning their lesson from any of the other botulism attacks. And they left the the suitcases in the subways and people found them and went, hey, what the fuck is this weird smell and shit? And they took a big whiff and they're like, that smells terrible, but it wasn't good botulism. So nothing happened. And they just threw it away. Plan C, the Saren subway. And apparently- Should have been plan A. It really should have been. I don't know that's why, why the it didn't. That's why it didn't work out. You know, you get you expect your plan C to go to fruition. That was the one you put the least amount of energy and I don't know, time into. I don't know why they even thought the botulism suitcases was a good idea. It's not flashy. It's lame. Yeah, I mean, like I get botulism is like a fucking really bad way to go, but like whatever. Now apparently, the only person who saw the plan for what it was, fucking madness, was Kiyohide Hayakawa, the construction minister. And the only one who might be a spook. He uh, fucking fled to Russia a week before. <laughs> and I'm like, he had to go do some business. So he was just fucking gone. He told police later, uh, he claimed, Asahara surprised me so many times with his instructions. And the subway attack was one of them. Yeah, well, he still got God anyway, so what I do? On March 19th, 1995, the cult posted warnings across their internet channels, telling their followers that the authorities were going to be raiding their shit soon. They were also one of the first, like, internet cults, like, with their, like, channels and shit, the same way, you know, QAnon and all that fucking, the Telegram bullshit, like, Om was a pioneer in that, for sure. But that same day, March 19th, a cultist was seen handing out leaflets in Tokyo that said, The Great Hanshin Earthquake is a mere prologue to the many terrors and tragedies that will strike Japan one after the other. What will hit Japan next? And on this flyer was a fucking picture of the Tokyo subway system. Map. That's really creepy. Yeah. That would make me kind of scared to ride the subway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of all the names we've mentioned uh, so far, the only one who was actually part of the Saren gang was fucking Dr. Hayashi for some goddamn reason. Like, I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> like, it wasn't the enforcer. It wasn't the chief scientist. It wasn't the spook. It was- it was fucking Dr. Hayashi, the swing, string-swallowing jumping doctor. <laughs> Good. He's got the, the chutzpah. He did not want to do it. No, he, he was, does not have the chutzpah. He, no, he, 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 didn't, he didn't volunteer, but he was chosen, uh, along with four vice ministers in the science and technology ministry. Um, <laughs> did anybody want to volunteer for this? I mean, really? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How many people were like, no, this is a great idea. I want to do this. I mean, Hideo Mirai, like, was all, like, all of them were all about it. I don't, it is interesting to me that, like, whereas, like, Mirai and the other guys were usually on the teams that did shit, they weren't on this one. I guess maybe it was just too risky and they were too, they had too much power. But yeah, Hayashi claimed he didn't know why he was chosen, that he wanted to refuse, but the atmosphere wouldn't allow it. Now, also, the other 
members of the Saren team were Yasuo Hayashi, no relation, Kenichi Hirose, Toru Toyota, Masato Yokohama, Kazuaki Okazaki, and Satoru Hashimoto. And the problems started early. They only produced 11 bags of Saren instead of 12, so they had to scrap one of the six subway lines from their plan and go for five instead. It was six subway lines, not three. And before go time on March 20th, 1995, Hideo Marai gave the men their instructions and presented them with umbrellas, the tips of which had been sharpened on a lathe. They would disguise themselves as normal businessmen carrying umbrellas in a folded up newspaper. Better not poke yourself with that umbrella, but... Yeah, for real. Inside the newspaper would be a bag of sarin. They would sneakily set the bag down and then smoothly puncture it with the umbrella as the train rolled up to a stop. Then they would get off as their train car began to fill with sarin and move ever onwards to the heart of Tokyo, right below the police headquarters, where it would converge with all the other sarin-filled cars at precisely the same moment, absolutely saturating the heart of Tokyo with sarin on a Monday morning rush hour. Presented with their, rush, with their umbrellas, then the men had to practice poking water-filled bags to make sure they could do it smoothly and without spraying themselves. So if you can think of, like, Hideo Mirai just fucking, with his hands, like, behind his back, watching these men practice puncturing these bags with sharpened umbrellas right in front of a fucking giant statue of Shiva. It's another, like, scene that's just like, where is the movie of this? You mm-hmm. know? They wrapped the actual sarin bags in Communist Party newspapers as another clever ruse. And off they went. Problem one, 11 bags instead of 12. Problem two, sarin was only 30% pure. Problem three, which wasn't a huge problem, but like, Jesus fucking Christ, boys. It was beautiful weather. What the fuck were they doing hanging out in, like, fucking obvious wigs with umbrellas? Like, they did not look well disguised. They did not look natural. Hey, they might have thrown up a few red flags. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of people uh, who were in the, in the train cars and, like, saw them were like... Oh, yeah, I, I noticed something. the weird guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, at 8 a.m., the plan went into motion. Not all of the bags were able to be punctured, but most were. Yoshihiro Saito... 40, who was on his way to his job at, the, at a real hospital, saw a puddle of some type of liquid on the train car and said, I can't describe the smell, but when I inhaled, I started coughing. I didn't have a cold, but my nose started running. Saito moved away from the smell and opened a, win- a window. Now remember problem two, 30% pure. Pure sarin is completely odorless. This stuff smelled like a cat's asshole. Uh-oh, stinky. So it forced a lot of people to, like, open windows and move away from the smell. Yeah. Yeah. It was still fucking dangerous, though. By 8, 10 a.m., the subway system was in absolute chaos. There were people doubled up, vomiting, and holding their heads. On one subway line alone, there were eight deaths and 2,500 injuries. All throughout the Kamisugeki station, people were collapsed, foaming at the mouth, convulsing on the ground. Soon the knowledge that it was gas had spread and people were evacuating. But it was described as an eerie type of chaos. People's lungs and throats were so full of sarin that they couldn't yell or run. Just silent panic. Mm -hmm. Really fucking creepy. Hospitals were told that there was a gas explosion. So they were braced for like burns and carbon monoxide poisoning. Not what they received. Hundreds and hundreds of patients in horrific conditions. Besides the 13 deaths, there were at least two people in a vegetative state. One woman's, one woman's contact lenses were fused to her eyeballs, and she had to have both of her eyes surgically removed. Uh, one of my biggest fears. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a contact wearer. Yeah, likewise. 
these people, like many others we've mentioned, were just normal ass fucking human beings going to work on a goddamn Monday morning. Had Om been good at what they did, yeah, it could have been 100,000 dead, but they weren't. They weren't good at what they did. They fucked it up like everything else they ever did and like they were always going to do. And they killed a bunch of innocent fucking people and ruined the lives of many, many more. Just a fucking absolute waste of, of air. Just every last one of these pieces of shit. Yeah. I just... For, for fucking what, boys? For fucking what? Really? What did they accomplish? What the fuck did you accomplish? Nothing. Literally nothing at all. Not even one step closer to the end of the world, or are we? No, not because of them. Not because of them. Nope. Now, after the, afterwards, the subway squad was summoned to the HQ by Asahara, where they were commended. And Asahara said not to mourn the dead. He said, quote, It is good that they lost their souls to this holy leader and to Shiva. Yay. Now, while those who knew Om was fucked up knew Om was fucked up, most in Japan hadn't thought about their goofy asses since the 1990 elections. That cult took advantage of this confusion, like, oh, what the fuck, to protest their innocence. Uh, they held another press conference the following day. Japan is in a state of true terror right now. Like, it's important to remember, Tokyo was known as the safest city on the planet. And Japan did not want to confront their shadow side. It did not want to confront the darkness that was underneath their very orderly society. At the press conference, Aoyama, the Om lawyer, said, We carry out religious activities based on the doctrine of Buddhism, so it's impossible for us to have committed the incident. Saren can only be made by experts like those in the U.S. military. Just double the fuck down. Just oh, yeah. double down, always. It wasn't us. Couldn't be. I, I love how people will just double the fuck down. It's amazing. Meanwhile, the cult knew that Johnny Law was finally coming for their fucking asses, and Shoko up and disappeared. He just bounced. But not before relaying a message through Moscow radio through Vladivostok to Japan, hours before the police raids finally occurred. He said, Your true nature will never be corrupted, for you are the pupils of my former life, and you possess souls which are essentially different from others. Because you have been born to help with salvation, I am waiting for you to serve as my hands, my feet, my head, and to help with my salvation project. Let us proceed with salvation and meet death without regrets. Whether you deceive yourself or not, you will certainly die. Glory to infinity, true glory to my beloved followers, who have been slandered simply because they have received Om Supreme Truth's teachings. Glory to those who have recently joined us. Glory to our new members. Yeah. Well, shortly after dawn on March 22nd, 1995, a thousand police in riot gear and like chemical warfare protection marched into the Mount Fuji HQ. That would have been a great place to put in our Patreon shoutouts. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to those who have. We have like ninety something to do, so like. Right. Next week we'll do it next week. Yeah, we promise. <laughs> we really will, though. Yes. Um. Yeah, a thousand fucking cops in full. Armor, gas masks, riot gear. That's a lot of fucking cops, dude. Like, marching into the OMHQ again. Where's the movie? I can, like, see these shots, dude. Yep. Join our Patreon so I have enough money to make this fucking movie. Holy shit. And we know what they found. They found, for the first time, all the shit we've talked about in these three episodes. 
that was the first time that Japan as a nation like really learned what the fuck was going on at Ocean Rikyo. And like that's some shit that I also can't imagine like all of it all at once. I I'm sorry, fucking what the fuck? 50 people who have their brains fucking melted out of their out of their ears. Electrode implants, meth, fucking uh theopental LSD fucking wow. The goddamn mind torture rooms like yeah, it must have been like really horrifying <laughs> to be any of those cops in there. Like I don't know. Well, a month later, uh now it's important to remember that like it's really hard to convict people just for being part of a religion if they weren't the ones who did the fucking crime, right? So it took some time for them to assemble all the evidence needed to get all the leadership arrested. So a month later, Hideo Murai was getting out of a car with uh, Fumihiro Joyu, and they were swarmed by the media. You know, all the, all the media wanted interviews, wanted statements, all this shit. And then a member, allegedly, it's what people say, of the Yakuza, ran up to Murai and repeatedly stabbed him in the stomach with a fucking kitchen knife. Oh. Yeah. Then this dude, the assassin, it was, you know, equated to like uh, Jack Ruby shooting Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. Right. It's the same exact type of scene. Everyone hated Ohm so much that like no one fucking cared. Right. Like this dude literally, he dropped the bloody knife, put his hands up and was like just standing there. And it took like a full, he was literally standing there going, is no one going to arrest me? It took a full minute for like cops to go over to him and just be like, yeah, okay, we guess we got to take you to the station. Right. And then just like calmly brought him away. Like no one fucking cared. Mirai would die on his way to the hospital. And allegedly his last words were either Judas or the Jews. Mm. Yeah. Different implications. Yeah. Also, he could just be fucking crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, people, people use that to be like, oh. Kiyohide Hayakawa or Choko Asahara ordered the killing or that the Jews actually hired him to because they were the ones behind it because yeah that's what like the hyper Christian conspiracy theorists go the people who believe in the same bullshit unbelieved <laughs> that's what they <laughs> wow yeah yeah I think either Asahara ordered him killed or someone who hated him ordered him killed and whether he said Judas or Jews doesn't fucking matter because he was a crazy man. <laughs> so without getting into the nitty gritty of how they rounded up everyone, we can say that, yeah, they rounded up everyone except Asahara. He would evade police for two months. Or so he thought. They knew where he was for a, for a while. He was at Satchan 6, the guru's estate. Yeah. He was just at his house. He was just at his house. They knew this out. because they were surveilling his house. Uh, and they saw Fumihiro Joyu entering and exiting like quite regularly. He Joyu was the only one, the heartthrob, the good-looking spokesman. He did not get arrested. Um, he got off scot scot free. They saw him going in and out quite often, and they regularly saw Om cultists carrying in melons. Dun dun dun! That gave it all away. The guru's favorite fruit. <laughs> Shitty. You know what? That's the worst fucking part of a fruit salad. You're... It's fucking... No. No? You're gonna disagree with me? Yeah. I mean, you're entitled to. You can disagree. I don't know why everyone hates a fucking melon. I... Uh, I think for a while... 
I was like, is it normal to eat melon and have your mouth feel all tingly after? No. Somebody was like, no. I'm like, all right, I think I might be allergic to melon. You might be allergic to so melon. I've, I've got a good case for why I don't like melon. Also, Fine. um, it's taste. It's just a little bland. I like a sour tart fruit. Melon brings nothing to the table for me. Melon has subtlety. Yeah. I fucking love a melon. It does have a beautiful floral, <laughs> subtle sweetness yeah. to it. I love a honeydew. I love a cantaloupe. Fucking love all that shit. I just need it on a fork, like with a grape and a little strawberry slice to it. I don't know. I'll just eat that shit. A raw dog that shit. Fucking love raw that. dog that melon. It's <laughs> the so one thing I agree with Asahara on. Yeah. <laughs> You'll fucking love a melon. Stand up for those melons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they made, they had to wait until they had enough evidence to, the police had to wait until they had enough evidence to make the charges stick without any room for his ass to weasel out. And then on May 16th, they went in and got him. In a tiny isolated chamber, they found the guru in a lotus position in his purple robes. There was an unholy aura of body odor. His hair and beard were all matted and greasy. There was a rifle in the corner and like a cassette player next to him. And the police asked, are you Asahara? And his fucking narcissistic ass answered, Yes, I am the guru. Yeah. They arrested him and let him outside, but his bitch ass had the gall to say, Don't touch me. I don't even let my disciples touch me. Yeah, but he was like, I've been sitting in lotus position for two fucking months, so he actually had to lean on the police for help walking out. (laughs) Yeah. During interrogation, Asahara vacillated between not blaming his disciples and then saying that he had so many disciples, he couldn't possibly have known what they were all up to. He even fucking... He even tried this one, dude. How could I, a blind man, have done such a thing? He wasn't even blind. Dude. (laughs) Dude. Come on. Well, with the arrest of Asahara, that started like a year-long ohm insurgency in Japan, basically. There were a few more attempted terrorist attacks, none of which went off successfully. But like there was, including one with a condom filled with hydrogen cyanide placed in the subways and like tried they tried to let it off into the vents but it was discovered had that been successful it would have killed a thousand people oh my god yeah they were bad at things though uh one day one of the subway stations that was hit particularly hard by the sarin it had all of its sound systems and, and intercoms hijacked and a message started repeating over and over and it just said Guru, 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 guru. Yeah. Like, whoa. Just chanting guru, guru. Like, that is enough to drive you crazy. Creepy. It's so creepy. That that'll send you into a trance after like a solid just 60 seconds of that is enough. Yeah. I mean, even just the idea of that is is just so beyond it's just so insane, you know? Well, Asahara, but all of Ohm's leadership was now in jail, and the trial lasted for years. Um, Asahara objected to his hearings and trials as abnormal, absurd, foolish, and completely crazy. He'd demand that the trial be stopped or would like yawn loudly or murmur to himself. As the hearings went on, his demeanor became more and more bizarre. One reporter described Asahara's behavior at a court session in 97, saying... He mumbled continuously in Japanese and English, moving his head vertically in a violent manner. He was heard once saying, never kill, in English. Sometimes he'd switch back and forth between English and Japanese. He'd explain that he was translating his English into Japanese. On another occasion, when Asahara mumbled a great deal and seemed to be confused, 
His lawyer explained that the guru was, quote, talking to the prosecutors, his own lawyers, and his former followers, and playing all the roles himself, adding that he might be trying to spark his memory by talking to himself since his weak eyesight prevented him from reading the documents. Uh, Robert J. Lifton speculates that on this and other occasions, it's possible that Asahara was hearing voices. I don't know. There's also the, well, he was frequently ejected from the courtroom for interrupting the testimony of his disciples. Uh, at times, he would answer questions simultaneously with the witness uh, to whom they were directed or insist that he had already been found not guilty in 16 of the 17 cases for which he was being tried. He would also shout objections in either English or Japanese, stand silently, refuse to sit down, or just take a nap during sessions. He refused to meet with his own lawyers and was generally uncooperative in his dealings with them. And Robert J. Lifton, in Destroying the World to Save It, says that in short, his megalomaniac immortality was shattered. To some degree, the Guru's preoccupation with his death reflected a realistic fear of being given the death penalty. But Asahara was also undoubtedly expressing a sense of the psychological death he was experiencing in becoming flamboyantly psychotic. Oh, yeah, fucking, he's just losing it in there. Yeah, yeah. As he found himself being annihilated by enemies, his paranoia became bound up with delusions, but remained for him the most psychologically manageable interpretation of his situation, according to Lifton. A lot of people think that Ashara was faking, pretending to be insane in order to absolve himself of legal and perhaps personal responsibility for his crimes. Maybe. Lifton says the visionary megalomaniac guru always existed in company with the con man manipulator. We can probably say the same of the psychologically fragmented guru. Ashar could indeed still have been consciously playing the role of the crazy man, even as he was being overwhelmed by the disintegration of his once proud guru self. He could have been deceived by his own role-playing, unaware of the powerfully disintegrative forces that rendered his faking no more than a pathetic set of gestures. His feeble attempts to dismiss the very existence of his disciples turned accusers of his disciples turned accusers were surely a psychotic response to the collapse of his world. Also, he's a fucking maniac. Yeah. You know, like this dude's been on meth and LSD for fucking years. And also, doing the shit that he did will break you. <sighs> yeah. Like that is a experience. He's been broken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was fucking- But especially now, there's nothing to keep him together anymore. Right. And he has seen anime world. You know what I mean? Like Yes, and he exists there now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Straight up. Now it's like when Chris Chan was brought to trial. Just moving on. Are we comparing the two? <laughs> we we could. I think we could. <laughs> <laughs> we could, but we won't. Yeah, maybe we did. <laughs> maybe we did. <laughs> well, many of Asahara's disciples turned on him, including Dr. Hayashi who seemed genuinely contrite and remorseful and was not after a plea deal or anything. He said, uh, I'm a medical doctor and I wanted to help people one way or another, but in the end, I could not carry out that purpose. He compared his grotesque behavior uh, as someone whose real task was to sustain people's lives with the, quote, sublime actions of the Tokyo subway workers who used their hands to get rid of the sarin in order to save others. During one of his last court appearances, he told his lawyer that he was reading for the fourth time the book by Haruki Murakami, Underground, which is just interviews with victims. At that point, and at this time, the um, second edition hadn't come out, so it was only interviews with the victims, not the Ohm cultists. Yeah, he said that he was reading Underground for the fourth time. Uh, when his lawyer asked why, he answered, who else should read that book if I don't? 
And December 1995, while in prison, he made a formal request to the Japanese Ministry of Public Welfare to rescind his medical license because, quote, I caused irredeemable harm to society through acts that made me unfit to be a doctor. The request was granted. Respect. Because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. But, like, he, I don't know. That says something. Seems like he had remorse. Yeah. I mean, remember, like, he did some horrible shit. Really horrible shit. It all started with a serious head injury and like his world already becoming fractured and Ohm took advantage of that and spun him into a monster. Hayashi was the first participant in the sarin attack to be convicted. When he was sentenced, the judge ruled that, you know, well, he deserved the death penalty because of his murderous deeds. He also deserved the leniency of a life sentence given his confession, which provided most of the evidence linking unequivocally the cult to the sarin attack and putting everyone else behind bars. The judge said that uh, his commitment to, quote, telling the truth in court as his last mission, even if the facts were against him, the passivity of his role in the gassing, as the crime had been ordered by Asahara, I would disagree with that. He did the gassing. <laughs> and the desire of the next of kin of two dead subway workers that he not be executed all meant that he got a life sentence. After the sentencing, Hayashi faced the judge and bowed deeply. When the judge offered Hayashi an opportunity to convey a message to his former underlings, Hayashi quietly addressed a doctor who had worked closely with him and was also now in prison. He said, uh, quote, Kenichiro Katahira is someone who thinks for himself. I would like Katahira, who is a psychiatrist, to analyze for his own sake the pathology of Shoko Asahara and then to atone for his own deeds. Hayashi was explicitly saying that Ohm's destructiveness called for psychiatric evaluation, but was also su suggesting that the same was true of himself. And yeah, he spent the rest of his life in prison and along with that after the trial the guru and the rest were left to rot in prison until 2018 it's a long time maybe yeah long enough well yeah and uh you know at that point for like eight years i think or for a bunch of years azahara had stopped talking to anybody including his family he stopped meeting with lawyers he stopped going to the bathroom and just started wearing diapers and we just do nothing, say nothing. And he, on July 6, 2018, Shoko Asahara was taken out of his cell in diapers, led into a chamber, and they fucking hanged his ass. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you yes. When I bit off more than I could chew, but through it all. He really did do it his he way, did. didn't he? Now, also executed by hanging on July 6th, 2018, Yoshihiro Inoue, Ohm's head of intelligence, Tomomitsu Nimi, chief thug, Tomomasa Nakagawa, uh, who was one of the people that murdered the Sakamoto family, Kiyohide Hayakawa, construction minister who tried to flee to Russia. Uh, he was convicted of strangling a young cult member in 1989. So real early. Seichi Endo, the head scientist and dude who fucked up all the botulism. Masami Chuchia, Ohm's chief chemist and uh, director of the sarin manufacturing. And then 
20 days later, on the 26th of July, 2018, they hanged the uh, rest of the perpetrators of the sarin attack. Yasuo Hayashi, Kenichi Hirose, Toru Toyota, Masato Yokoyama, Kazuzaki Okazaki, Satoru Hashimoto. That's a lot of hanged ohm cultists or ohm heads. They hanged a lot of fucking people. That's oh, yeah. like that's a lot, dude. But importantly, not Fumihiro Joyu, spokesman and heartthrob. Charisma's not a dump stat. He would continue Ohm under the name Aleph. And then once kicked out of his leadership role, he would start uh, Hikari no Wa or Circle of Rainbow Light. And there's also a third offshoot. Now, Aleph is often considered, is often referred to as like an offshoot of Ohm. It's not. Aleph is Ohm Shinrikyo. Like straight, it's, it is, they rebranded, that's it. Yep. Hikari no Wa is an offshoot. The third one that I forget the name of is an offshoot. They all exist today, and Hikari no Wa and Aleph have been under surveillance on and off. The numbers are much depleted, to be sure. Hikari no Wa only has a couple hundred members. But uh, Aleph, which I believe um, one of Asahara's daughters is in charge of now, they still have 1,500 members. Actually, no, I think uh, as of 2023, it's up to like 1,600 and something because they're also gaining members every year, a couple hundred every year. Um, <laughs> they've said that they, that they distance themselves from the terrible acts of the guru and shit, right? right. They say that. However, now not only did uh, someone drive a fucking truck into a crowd of people protesting the hanging of Shoko Asahara, so they did it for the guru, but... At a certain point, uh, police went in on an ins- inspection of an Aleph uh, compound, and what they found was really interesting. They found a, um, a shrine with a picture of Asahara looking down, and on this shrine was a wrapped-up newspaper with like the facsimile of a bag inside of it, with a knife through it as an object of reverence. Mm. So yeah, they, they sure have distanced themselves. From the terrible actions yeah. of the cult, it really was just all about peace and love. It was that was just it was just it just turned bad. No, 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 no. All right, I you know what? What the fuck can you really say about Om Shinrikyo? I like I don't know how to wrap this up. I feel like I think we got to call in an expert. The big guns. We got to call the big guy. The big guy. Get him in here. The master. Yeah. Oh, great ascended master John McAfee. What do you think about the nature of Om Shinrikyo's version of spirituality? Where do I even start? Aum Shinrikyo's spirituality was a cherry-picked clusterfuck of whatever the guru thought he could warp to serve their apocalyptic agenda. Spirituality, the numinous in its true essence, is about personal enlightenment, expansion of consciousness, and becoming the brightest shining version of yourself that you can be. It's not about becoming a cheap copy of a greasy bully and going out to wreak havoc on the world in some misguided attempt to accelerate the end times, what they got wrong was fundamental. They turned the transcendental experience into a weapon, a means to manipulate and control. 
Honest spirituality encourages questions. It thrives on personal experience and inner exploration. Aum Shinrikyo, though, was all about dogma, blind faith, and a toxic cocktail of fear and narcissism. In other words, they stripped the numinous of its soul, using it as a mask to legitimize their darkest desires. It's like taking a beautiful painting and setting it on fire just to watch the colors change as it burns. A damn waste. Thanks to Sunday Master John McAfee. As always. Thank you. I love that Brilliant. guy. I fucking love that guy. Ah, a Prince of Wands. Fiery motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, the Prince of Wands is the airy aspect of fire. It, 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 that dude will keep driving his chariot until the wheels fall off. Yeah. It is the bellows into the fucking, into the furnace. Like, you will get run the fuck over because that dude is not, he's looking at the horizon. He's not looking at the fucking people in front of him. Now, that sounds too positive for Umshin Rikyo, but the feeling is the same. You can see how after it started going off the rails, when they reached 1994, they just fucking did not care. They were doing it. Come hell or high water, there was no way that you could stop Ohm from, from doing it, from trying to do it, until you actually invaded their fucking compound. Right. And, uh, yeah, we've had three fire cards for this series. I forget what the first one was. But I know the, uh, oh, is the knight or the king. Of wands. And then the they've, ten of wands. They've all been wands. I yeah. know that. Because fire. Because that's fucking Om Shinrikyo. Like, not only their love of electricity and just burning people's skulls and fucking just killing. Just death and destruction. Just a spread miasma. Just want to watch the world burn. That's it, though. I mean, literally, that's fucking it. These these men just wanted to watch the they world They did. Burn. They literally did. They were so dejected and fucking disillusioned with society that instead of fucking trying to create something better out of what was there, they just wanted to kill it. They just wanted to burn it to the fucking ground. It's anger. It's just, it's, it is a slow, awful rage that does nothing but kill from the inside out and spread like the fucking miasma of sarin leaking, killing the plants around the ohm compound and creating a Culture of paranoia and fear of the other in Japan that um, they were responsible for. Fucking terrible people. Unequivocally. Yeah, unequivocally just some of the worst fucking people I've ever read about. Some of the worst people in fucking history. Yeah, Shoko, the worst. Everyone else too. Every last motherfucking one of them. Just irredeemable. Yeah. That's what I got. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. I know it's a hot take that Ocean Rikyo is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the hottest of takes. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Well, if you like what we do, you can give us a rating and review. You can tell your friends. And if you want more content, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get bonus episodes, uh, our bonus series, The Corkboard Bazaar. And you get to join our Discord, where we have a lot of really interesting discussions about a lot of the shit we talk about. We run some experiments. It's generally a good time. And we've got a lot of really cool people up in there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great time. But yeah, you can do that. You can <laughs> get access to that at patreon.com slash the nonsense bazaar. And um, yeah, that's it. That's it. I think we're, we're 
Are we doing more history next week? But it's very different. Very different type of history. Yeah. We're going to be traveling back to the 1500s. Fuck yeah. Check out the court of King Rudolph II. Why should we give a fuck about him? Because he's a weirdo. Yeah. He's just like us. And a different type of weirdo than Shoko. A weirdo that we can enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Can't, I can't wait. <laughs> That'll be fun. Hell yeah. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves out there. Don't fucking join death cults. <laughs> for god's sakes whatever you do and like i shouldn't have to say that but ohm still has fucking 1600 members stop it just stop it all right all right guys bye take care <laughs>